This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. If they expect me to walk away from Luton with nothing, I'll make very sure there's nothing to walk away from. Hello and welcome to the Oak Road Hatter podcast. I'm Billy Mully, joined today by Jamie Castle and Kieran Robertson following yesterday's 0-0 draw with Bolton Wanderers in the FA Cup third round. Uh, it's a little bit of a different one because we're all sat here watching the, the fourth round draw. Uh, so there'll be somewhat of an impromptu um, reaction to that draw, should our name get called out. Well, it will do in the next... 40 minutes, 45 minutes, however long it goes. Um, as I mentioned there, it's the nil-nil draw against Bolton that we're talking about, but we're also casting eyes ahead to Burnley away, which has been brought forward from Monday the 15th of January to Friday the 12th of January as a result of the replay needed at the Tough Sheet Community Stadium. Jamie, how are you? Yeah, pretty good. Um, pleased to have avoided the uh the drab draw at the weekend um also means i can now do burnley away on a friday so i'm fairly happy with the old with the oval position despite being a bit frustrated um with our record against lower league opposition um as you say watching the the cut draw now off, off air you mentioned imagine if we got watford and as you press the record button the first name out of the hat was watford so i was like oh shit could you imagine if it was straight away but fortunately we haven't um but no all in all, very good. Looking forward to Burnley on Friday. Well, you two, please keep an eye for me because um, I've got to keep my phone to try and remember what we're going to be speaking about today. But I think we'll start at the very start, and that is the lineup. Caught a few by surprise. I've done, I've done Oak Road Hatters uh, pre-match lineup prediction, and it's fair to say that I, I ballsed it up. I got ne- next to no um, options right. But we went very strong, Kieran. Um, we went very strong. And it's sort of come back to, I guess, bite us in the arse in a way that, that you know, we went strong to try and win the game. And now we've got a, a replay to sort of pack a tight scheduling. I mean, your tweet post-game summed up really well in the sense of we went strong. Like, there was sort of, when we were debating the lineup on the previous pod, some of us were sort of like, yeah, would it be fair to rotate? Yeah, but we also want to win. We also don't have a Premier League game. So it was like, if we had, if our first 11 started, which they basically did, you wouldn't have been remotely surprised. And 
they did to us what we have done to a lot of teams this season. And that's just frustrating and just stop playing. Like I sat in a different seat on Sunday. Um, so it was refreshing to be around different people and view the game from a different perspective. Um, but the lad sat next to me was very much like they just aren't like Bolton are doing fuck all. They're just sitting there. They're not doing anything. I'm like, do you know what? That's probably how a lot of teams feel when they play us. It's like we do sometimes drop off and just kind of go, all right, have the ball if you like, but you're doing nothing with it. And if anything epitomised our weekend, it was we had a lot of the ball and I couldn't tell you what we did with it. Yeah, that's very true. And I think the interesting element with it, when it all, I think you mentioned it there and I, I tweeted about it, was Bolton doing a very good job. I think they were as organised as as anything we've come across in the Premier League, which seems crazy to say. Um, but they did their job very well. They defended in a low block and broke out quickly, um, had some decent enough chances as well going forward. Um, it's fair to say we weren't on it, but but I think a large part of that has to be credited to the way Bolton approached the game. Ian Everett is, is a fantastic manager and he, he's showing that. Um, we spoke a lot about it in the pre-match um, preview, didn't we? We spoke about how good Bolton have been, um, a club on an upwards trajectory and, and a result and a performance like that will, will have massively uh, bolstered what is a promotion push in League One. Um, Jamie, just sort of touching on the replay, um, it's one for a few fans to tick off, but I guess at the same time, it's it's less than ideal when uh, you know you've got the Burnley game a few days before, it's difficult again to know how we'll approach it and what kind of players um, will we'll sort of feature in that game. Yeah, uh, as you say, I mean, doing the maths off off the top of my head, but we would have had eight games between yesterday and and the the, the week Monday um, for for Burnley, and then another sort of week or so after that, or even actually fifteen days between that and. And Brighton, subject to any any fourth round, which I've just seen Palace have it away. So you're almost inclined to just give Bolton their payday, right? In in this replay, like just you don't want an extra Premier League game um, before Brighton, because um, I think that'll be on the weekend of the of the 26th and 27th, right? With Brighton on the 30th. So do we really want want a trip up to Everton before we host Brighton? I I, I don't know. Um, uh, just going on, on on that lineup piece that Kieran was talking through, I think it was a strange one because yes, it was a strong lineup, but it was rotated in areas where you think we didn't really need to rotate, and it's like you keep Kabore back from Burkina Faso for for one game and don't play him and start Chair at right wing back. You think surely you just rest Doughty, play Kabore on the right and Giles on the left, and then you've got. Mads Anderson needs to go. Surely you give one of Osho or Mengi a rest. Um, but then you don't rest Eli. And it seems like, obviously I wasn't there, but it seems like it was a switch to like a two up top with Chong in behind and maybe one. Um, it, it's just, yeah, it, it, it was a strange, in, in my eyes, a strange selection in terms of rotating in, in the areas. We, did, we didn't need to rotate. You'd think maybe you'd arrest one of Lukonga or Barkley for Pelly, who, I mean, all in all, shouldn't be too much of a drop off compared to Barkley or, or, or Lukonga. He, he's a Premier League centre midfielder and should have been more than capable of playing in a team that beats Bolton. So, yeah, I, I think there could have been a few more changes in the areas and and try not to change us too much structurally. I appreciate Edwards wants to try a few different things out, but yeah, it was a strange one. Um, and yeah, now I've seen this fourth round draw, I'm inclined just to bomb out and focus on the league. It's a, it was a weird one watching it sort of on Sunday, watching the changes being made. Like even second half, I think we basically went to a 4-2-3-1 and Morris was almost playing as a 10. And you looked at it and Lukonga got subbed on 60 for Jordan Clark. So then you've effectively got a holding midfield of Clark and Barkley, which at first is a bit interesting. I was like, okay, if Clark's playing, I want to see him play a bit further forward. And I was surprised that Morris wasn't dragged in that moment because Lukonga, actually, Bill, you can probably vouch because you were there as well. Lukonga was the best player on the pitch, without a doubt for me, at least maybe aside from Gabe Osho. And 
then to see Morris dragged for Woodrow, I kind of went, it just, that didn't feel like for like, like Morris and Woodrow's work rate. I know I spoke about Morris's work rate in comparison to Eli last week in terms of a striker, but Morris in a 10, actually he played really well. And it was surprising that he got dragged. Him and Woodrow don't offer the same, especially Woodrow as a 10. When you then got Pelly sat on the bench still, and even Luke Berry sat on the bench, I was a bit confused as to what what the subs were going and like nothing against Woodrow and his performance because to be honest, he didn't do anything to write home about, but he also didn't do anything that made us like really fucking irritated. Like it just it just confused me, and in that substitution, I was like, right, that's that. We ain't getting out anything out of it. Like Doughty's chance at the end. Penalty or no penalty, I've voiced my opinion on Twitter. It's a stonewall penalty and how it wasn't given, even with a VAR check, is fucking stupid. But anyway, is what it is. Um, That can't excuse the performance that our, quote-unquote, you could say, strongest 11, minus maybe Kabore, put out. We'll circle back to what Jamie broke for us, which was the fact that if we beat Bolton, the fourth round tie is either Crystal Palace or Everton at their place. Um, as as Jamie summed it up perfectly, another Premier League game, you'll, you'll look at it as um, two teams that you consider being relegation rivals as well. So it's a little bit of a do you want to show your cards kind of uh, clash should we come through this Bolton one. Um, Kieran, coming to you about this fixture, do you see any sort of excitement whatsoever um, in this one? Um, yeah, can you see any excitement in in the fact that it's Crystal Palace or, or Everton away? Um, <laughs> I mean, I saw it before. I saw it on my watch actually before Jamie mentioned it, and I just kind of looked at it and rolled my eyes. And there's probably Mark will probably find the exact point of me going, oh. Okay. Um, no, is a short answer. It's not the only sort of saving grace for me. Is like, oh, cool, I could do Everton away because I actually missed the the Premier League game. But considering our track record in the cup, do I really want to trek all the way up to Liverpool for us to inevitably lose in another cup game? If that's if we don't go all the way to Bolton and bloody lose, because that would. That would just be typical, wouldn't it? That's probably more likely to happen. I wouldn't even assume that we'd get there. Um, I have a sneaky feeling that a lot of us who are, oh, cool, we get to go Bolton away first. Like, yeah, cool. I have a sneaky feeling it's going to be Exeter 2.0 and we're going to be sort of sat there at full time, raising our hands like this, going, why the fuck did I come here? I knew what was going to happen. (laughs) I said to... I said to my dad at the end of the Bolton game, my dad, for the record, has done four games. He's done Chelsea away, United away, both losses, extra away, loss, Bolton, draw. Dad, I know you're listening to this, so uh, <laughs> we might have to review your um, ticket privileges after this. Well, let's let's circle back to that because you call, you called this game against Bolton coming up as a potential exit to 2.0. It's not that's not the only example where we struggled against lower league opposition. Um, it's becoming a bit no. of a theme. I've got my answer to it, but but Jamie, why do you think we struggle? Why do you think we've had this tendency to really find it difficult to to break teams down that that are below us in the pyramid? I think if for me, if if you look at over the years and. If you look at when we were actually a fluid team, it was in those League Two and League One days. Like the the, the side we were back then was really fluid. Um, but then promotion to the Championship, almost yin and yang, converted us to a a side that just set sets up in a way to to, to protect your net without causing too many problems going forward. And okay. We've in our own right got promoted and very much deserved to. And there was moments last season under Edwards where you'd say, "Yeah, we were a fairly fluid team," but we've never quite reached those heights of a 
I mean, that League One season, we were phenomenal. And I think in terms of free-flowing attacking football, we've not quite reached that structure since. Um, albeit, okay, yeah, we, we, it's been at, at a higher level. But we're now we're, we're the side that are, are more structured, defensively-minded compared to offensively-minded. And we find it really hard to, when we are the favourites, we, we, when we're expected to to have the, the initiative and, and and take the game by the neck. We can't quite do that for some reason, um, be it recruitment, be it mindset, um, be it tactically. Um, there was an element of what I call cut brain fog, I think, when when you rock up and, okay, as much as Edwards can say, you've got to focus and not, not think that we're going to be like winning this 3-0. There's going to be an element subconsciously where some players may be fairly relaxed or over over relaxed and think that yeah we just play our game and we're going to win this by one or two and and we'll, we'll go home. Um, but we we certainly need to sort it out and I think that there, it, it does give us evidence that maybe we need another one or two creative, forward thinking players um, for both the Premier League and and games like this where if and when we become that that side who was favourites to, to win the game, or or, or really going to be on top and, and press home our. I mean, especially at home, right? If you press home that home advantage in in the games like the Wolves at home, Palace at home, it's it's having that player to really press home that 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 dominance and be able to sustain a period of of, of play where we are on top. And I'm, I'm not sure we've manage that against the sides where we probably should have have the initiative i think we've done it ironically in in the tougher games but that's because of the the way we're set up we've been able to almost suffocate teams from 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 a, from, from a defensive side of things um and then have had that that then that 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 sort of shock on the counter for for, for for the teams that are expecting to come to us and win um it's a strange one i'm sure they're looking at, at it internally something that does need to change because if we're going to be Premier League for the foreseeable, which hopefully we are, we're going to need to win these cup ties because it because because not only is it we we want to win these games for the just just for winning the games and for, for potentially winning the cup, but th- th- there's money involved. And okay, it's not Premier League money, but getting to a quarter final every year does help in terms of uh, the, the financial side of things. And Kieran, sort of sticking on the the same theme there. We played a system in terms of the two up front that brought us a lot of success last season. Um, Morris and Eli were, were fantastic alongside one another, and obviously this season in the Premier League, we, we've you know played our best, operating under a three-four-three, a lot of pace, exploiting wide areas. Do you think? Do you think it's difficult now when you come up against a team that defend that that little bit lower? Do you think it's more difficult having? those sort of central two players and not having a winger already up with them. Do you think that's where, I don't know if we went wrong, but somewhere where um, we were let down in, in certain moments? Or do you think that there is scope for that too to work when teams do defend quite low against us, um, but we just didn't unlock it because it was just one of those days? Do you think the sort of the problem... One of the issues lied at Eli and, and Morris playing together as a two. It felt like yin and yang watching them first and second half because first half, it looked like the pair of them didn't actually know what they were doing. It was when I saw the lineup in person, my first assumption was Chong's on the right, Morris is through the middle and Eli's drifting off the left because he just does that anyway as a striker and we're used to it and that's probably the case. And he did it against Tottenham as well. And then it felt like they kept changing and then they kept ending up in the same place and then they were all the way over here and then everyone's on one side, then everyone's on the other side. And there was no distinction of you're the striker and you're the left winger. It was, we're just kind of here. And like Jamie made reference to, I don't know if Chong was playing in behind or not. You could see vividly first half, that was not the job that he was deployed to do. He was very much right-sided player and he was getting no joy. And that was what was making it more frustrating was you had two players who it felt like were trying to do the same job. Then you had Chong, who was meant to be this outlet and another place, but he was always double marked by Bolton players. 
so he never got any joy. Every time he took a touch, he was getting nestled off the ball. And then second half changed and it was a bit more, like I said, like Morris then slipped in the 10. So it was a bit more prevalent on, okay, this is what we're trying to do. Um, do I think that the 5 3 2 has scoped to work? Yeah. However, based on current case studies, you look at the start of the season, we it just it hadn't worked. And we have seen more success with the 5 2 2 1. And I think it gives us more pace to exploit defences on the counter. I think that's probably where our luck's going to come this season is having that pace on the counter as opposed to having two big men up front and just lumping it up and hoping for the best. And I think a lot of uh, I think a lot of disappointment both on social media and actually at the game was directed at Chong. Um, There's a few mm. times where where he received the ball, he took a touch and, and was tackled, as you mentioned there. But in my eyes, I don't know if you agree with me, Kieran, being there, but we were so slow getting the ball into him. Where he kept oh. on showing, he kept on making the movement, but by the time the ball actually came to him, he was not anticipating the ball anymore because it, it took so long to get out of our feet and, and play into him. Yeah, I, do you know what? I agree with that completely. And we always talk about the eyes test with football. And there was a lot of fans failing the eyes test on, on Sunday because they were getting angry at Chong for being nestled off the ball and angry at Chong for not being able to be quick enough at distributing the ball. And I'm not, I'm not being funny. Firstly, completely irrelevant point, but somewhat. His best games for us have always come when he's played on the left, just played on his stronger foot. And I was quite surprised that that change wasn't made. And I think that little change would have tweaked it a little bit. You think of every good game that Tahith Chong's had for us, he's played on the left or he's been subbed on and played on the left. Secondly, coming back to the eyes test thing, if the amount of times, I probably miscounted the amount of times that Mengi or Lokonga or someone looked at him for a good few seconds, then played the pass, by which point I mentioned about the double marking. If he's beaten one man and then someone's come across because they're taking too long to pass to him, naturally he is going to lose the ball because he's double marked. Like he's got to fight off two players. And there was a couple of times where he did worm his way out of it. But he didn't worm his way out of it because he was lucky. Like he's just quite good. And a lot of the time, if you're bullied by two players at once, you are probably going to lose the ball. And everyone's getting frustrated at him. Yet when we were charging forwards, when he was still on the pitch, he was that one outlet for us a lot of the time. Um, so it's frustrating because he is a good player. I just think one is a right-sided player. I know that's kind of what people thought was his best position. In our system and the way we play, look at him against Chelsea. Played on the left-hand side because he's a left-footed player. You don't always have to go around with that inverted winger route because he was able to drop deep Whenever he receives the ball, he's on his strong foot. He's playing with his stronger foot every single time. If he has a shot, he doesn't need to cut inside and shoot. He can shoot straight away. The only sort of thing for me is then he's also able to play that killer ball to Doughty. He didn't have that option with Obene. It felt like Obene wasn't overlapping him enough to give him that ball. So then naturally he's coming inside to either play the same ball back that he's just received, which is then not creating a chance, or he's having to play it back and completely recycle. And then I'm hearing people get angry at him. And I'm like, do you know what? Get angry at everyone else's positioning. There was so many times at one point, I think I watched Cool pick up the ball. Bolton had two men back and everyone's just walking forwards. And I'm like, why are we walking in the first half of the game? 30 minutes in and we're walking. I'd, like Chong was a scapegoat for a game where a lot of players serially underperformed, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, that was, uh, I think, sat uh, sorry, Sunday was difficult, sort of both perspectives, when you look at, usually in a game at Kenworth Road in the Premier League this season, the crowd has been up for it. Um, of course, dynamic for an FA Cup game is completely different. Um, great to see new fans coming to Kenilworth Road and you sort of think of your, your first memories of Kenilworth Road. There were so many Luton Town fans um, brought that, brought to Kenilworth Road for the first time. Um, you just had to sort of walk through the ground and, and just see so many kids going, oh my God, I'm, I'm finally here. Um, yeah, it was, not, it was nice to see that, but naturally um, it wasn't as electric of an atmosphere as we, we've grown to know. I think that did have an impact on performance, but at the same time, 
there's been a few t- uh, few uh, performances this season where our players have had to really gear up the fans by doing stuff, um, and and I didn't really see that. So it was quite stale from both ends, um, and I think that again, I think that that sort of contributed to what we saw. The result, the nil-nil draw, means as we mentioned at the top of the show, we have to go back to Bolton. Um, it's going to be a really, really tough test. I think we've we've got to see how resolute, how organised they are, um, dangerous in the attack, and they're going to familiar territory at the Tough Sheet Stadium. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be a battle. But but Jamie, I'm going to come to you for a score prediction. I wanna I want the optimism because I'm struggling. I'm struggling a bit for for optimism going back to Tough Sheet Stadium. First of all, can I just say what a stupid name that is? I had no idea it was the Tough Sheet Stadium. What an awful sponsor. Um, yeah, I mean, I hope the game's not as tough as as, as, as the name suggests. Um, no, I, I think I, it really is anyone, anyone's game. Um, Bolton will back themselves, I think. As, as as they should rightly back themselves, they've come away and and got a point, so well, a point, a draw. So so why shouldn't they be able to to, to win it at at home? Um, not seen their their form at home this season, but I expect if they're at the top end of League One, they're they're fairly good at home. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I I want to say that we're going to go there and just nick it one nil. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with that, but there is every chance that that they nick it as well. So I'll go one 0 Luton, but I won't be surprised if it's one 0 Bolton. Kieran, what about you? Oh dear, oh dear! You're talking to the only one of us three that went to Exeter and watched that shower of shite. Um, oh, see, I'm probably gonna go to Bolton. This is the thing: is I am my own worst enemy, predicting an Exeter two point knowing full well that Bolton Wanderers is not scratched off of this map here and I'm going to Bolton away. Like it's... Will you say it though, Kieran? Is your dad going? Uh, probably not. Well, that's good then because we might that's have good. a chance. <laughs> Sorry, Dale. We love you really. But <laughs> he probably wouldn't do Bolton on a Tuesday or Wednesday night. This is when he now listens to the pod and goes, duh, of course we're going. Mm. <laughs> um, I think 2-1. We're going to go 1 0 down, and there's just something. I had the feeling when I walked into Exeter of this. Obviously, I walked in, and the first thing I saw was the big bank just full, and they were making noise an hour before kickoff. And there was just like this little feeling that took over me of, hmm, that's not great, just from our perspective. And I feel like that's going to be a thing at the Reebok. I'm calling it the Reebok. Half their fans probably still call it the Reebok, so I don't think they'll be that offended by it, to be quite honest. Um, I was even calling it the Uni Bowl the other day because that's what apparently it was called last year. So the fact that they now call it the Tough Sheet Stadium is poor lads, I suppose. Um, so, yeah, it's 2-1 Luton just because what we've got to be optimistic. We've got to hope that they've seen that performance and Edwards has just gone, that just isn't good enough. Um, I do want to see a few other players given a chance. I wouldn't be surprised if we go up there and there is a bit more rotation. You see the likes of Giles start, you see a Berry start or a Pelly start, and hopefully we just get it, just get it right, just go in, do the job, get it right. To even go two nil up and then they score a late goal. Fine, do what you like. But as crap as our fourth round draw or potential fourth round draw is. We could do with a little cup run. So two one Luton. Let them, let Bolton have their fun. But in all seriousness, boys, go up there, get the job done, and walk out with uh, through to the next round, please. And thank you for the sake of my sanity. Right, I'm going for one all draw, and then lose on penalties, and we'll move <laughs> swiftly on. I don't want to have to explain myself. So we're oh, going to head to a short break. When we're You're back, right. we have got the transfer window latest and we've also got the Burnley preview.
Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. We are back for part two of today's episode and we're just going to go through a quick roundup of the transfer latest um, news, rumours. And to be fair, there's not much going on at the moment. Um, the only update that, that is on the rumour front is Ecuadorian journalist Oscar Putia says two clubs have deals for Zambrano in place and, and that it will be the player that ultimately decides Um I think if you've been following this this story about Sambrano, um, Luton seemingly done all the all the scouting work. Um, I think there were rumours that that um, head of scouting flew out to to South America to watch him, um, but but since further clubs have been um, added to the race, I think initially um, was it Brighton were, were credited, Manchester United were credited, and um, the latest one. He's, he's Bournemouth, who seemingly have the strongest interest. So it'll be interesting to see how that one plays out. Um, Luton did pre-match play Ecuador, the song Ecuador um, against Bolton. So that might be a sign of things to come. The other bit of news is that Joe Taylor, Elliot Thorpe and Arabin Peppel have returned from loan spells from Colchester United, Shrewsbury Town and Bromley. Uh, Joe Taylor's future is a, a real sort of spark of conversation at the moment. Um, we, we've been speaking about Bolton a lot. They're one of the teams that have been rumoured to be interested in him. Um, there's a, a few other good League One teams that are supposedly in for him. Um, whether Luton want to keep him close to the first team, that's a, another viable option at this stage. And that rounds up the latest on the transfer window. Although I know there's going to be there's going to be a rumour tonight. Um, it's just that the way it works, we, we do these and then suddenly something pops up. It's always the way. Let's go on to the Burnley preview. And as we mentioned at the top of the show, the games moved from Monday the 15th of January to Friday the 12th. Um, I, I'm guessing I, I, I like a Friday night game. Um, I think it's better than playing on Monday, of course. People that, that had their plans in place, I do feel sorry for you. Um, it's always difficult when, when these kind of games get, get moved around. Um, but hopefully those that, that um, had already planned on going are still able to go on the Friday night. Our response, Jamie, to disappointment has typically been good. It's something that we speak about a lot as Luton fans. Are you expecting... Are you expecting a response? Is that the the expectation now being a Luton fan that, that we respond to disappointment well? Simply put, we have to. Because um, forget what happened on Sunday. It doesn't matter at all in the grand scheme of things when it comes to this game. Um, another six-pointer, um, probably not a must-not win, but def definitely a must-not lose. Um, they beat us at home. Um, on the probably on the grand scheme of the game, they probably look the most proactive, the more lively. Um, but then obviously equalised, and it was that dagger of, of a Bryn Larson winner straight after our equaliser. Um, so yeah, we, we need to go there and try and claim some of those points back. Um, and yeah, it's it's a massive game when it comes to it because we could get the points that we need to get out of the bottom three come comes the um, Saturday games and, and, and that 
for me is also for fairly important about it being moved from from a Monday to a Friday is we have the the ability to get out of the bottom three for a, a few hours at least, um, which would be mentally huge, especially putting putting Everton in there and and potentially even going above. I mean, I'm not at the table for a while, but I I think it would put us above Forest maybe or or or, or there or thereabouts. Um, so yeah, just to be able to just to claim those those points back and 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 resume our our race for survival. Um, so yeah, I think the Bolton game we have to put back put to, to completely to, to to the back of your mind. Forget forget about it, and just be strong and and go into what will be a tough game. Um, they are as a footballing side in terms of the way they play, more fluid, more um, proactive in terms of sort of just that that attractive style of football but we know that we can go there and 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 give the, give them a game it was obviously 1-1 last season at their place i think on the grand scheme of things we were probably the better side and then at home in the championship we were definitely the better side so that so they've probably had more than their fair share of points against us in in the last sort of 18 months so it's about time we got our own back and uh, and got a a win of our own so Touchwood, we do. I'm I'm heading up, thankfully, because it's a Friday. Um, so yeah, can't wait. Looking forward to it, and yeah, really, really desperate for for a point at least, and hopefully all three. And Kieran, looking at Burnley, of course, they are one of the two teams that are currently below us. Nineteenth place came up with them last season. There was a general expectation that that they would do well and and comfortably survive the drop. Hasn't quite panned out that way. I think they've shown glimpses of life more life anyway than, than what Sheffield United has shown. What are you expecting from them, um, considering, you know, they, they beat us early in the season, they hammered Sheffield United, they seem to have, sort of smell blood against the teams that are in and around them. Um, it, I guess it's a massive game in the complex of things. And, and you know, Jamie mentioned there that he's, he's sort of not the be-all and end-all, but it's, it's probably a game that you will look back on if we do lose. Um, and think you know that that could have been somewhat define them. It's a tough one because I still, I still think Burnley have got a gear to go. I don't think obviously they've had a crap start, no doubt about it, and they're underneath us and they've not, not showed really any glimpses of doing well. Um, but even with that, you know they've got the quality that they can add another gear. Like you look at Chef United squad, and I don't. I don't see that in them, but with Burnley, I do. And I have this weird belief that although I think we will stay up, I also think they do as well. I I don't know why. I just can't scratch that feeling away of they've got something a bit more. By God, I hope they don't take our game as the time to show that. And they just give us the three points and that's that. And then we move on and then they can be as good as they want to be after that. It could be world-class for all I care. But I think there is something there. I think Jamie's point rings true. It's just, just don't lose. I don't care if we get one point or three points at that stage. Just do not go up there and fucking lose that game. Because the last thing that you need to do is give the team that are underneath you that lease of life. They can get that in a few games time when we've bettered our position. But until we do that, do not let them be the reason that we slip lower down and they end up picking up points. Because at that stage, rather than being the team that's on the cusp of survival, you then become the team that's chasing it. And that could happen all in the space of three hours. And that's the last thing we need. Yeah, I've just looked at the table and and we're on 15 points. They're on, they're on 11 and... So yeah, they can't overtake us, but fifteen foot fourteen looks a bit, a bit tight, a bit, a bit, a bit nervous. Whereas suddenly eleven and eighteen, you think, well, we're seven points clear of of the bottom two. Um, so it just shows the sort of fight that that the Premier League survival race is. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I would I would take sixteen twelve, but I do not want it to be it, it to be fifteen fourteen on points because um, suddenly then you're a, a point behind Everton still. Um, at that game in hand sort of is is wiped out for for twelve twenty four hours before they play their game of, of the weekend. Um, 
so yeah, it's uh, it's just you, you you go and do do all the maths through through your head, and you could spin yourself in circles thinking about all the various scenarios. So that that's why we talk about it on a podcast for for, for you guys. So hopefully you don't don't hurt yourselves thinking through all, all the all the possible outcomes. If I remember rightly, Turf Moor last season was a real fortress. I don't know if they lost there or or if they lost the single game. I know that they were. You know that their home form was was sort of near immaculate. They they were fantastic. It hasn't panned out that way so far. Um, in fact, that that Sheffield United hammering that when they beat them five nil is the only home game they've won all, all season. They've lost the other other nine. So they picked up three points from ten games at home, which you know no one would have expected from from Burnley. I think Turf Moor was was expected to be that that kind of fortress that we just mentioned. Do you see that as a big positive, Kieran? Do you see that as you know an extra, not incentive, but an extra? Um, I don't know, oomph to to go out there and and really, you know, inflict further misery at their home ground. Do you think their fans are going to be on them if we if we make a fast start? It's certainly something to play into, isn't it? And it's like again, say for example, we did what we did against Bournemouth, went one nil up within what four minutes. You look at that. And then you hold that score line, and the more that score line stays the same, the more frustrated the fans get. The less likely they are to rile up the team. The more that plays on the players. Maybe go two 0 up. The rest is history. The tr- the difference that they will see. I've seen a lot of Burnley discourse on Twitter this week and the week just past about how they seem to have this mentality. They're going to roll us over. This whole. Well, yeah, we're, of course we're going to beat them because we're at home and we've beaten them already. It's like, you are sat in 19th. Like, have a bit of realism about your position. If you were sat in 10th, it might be a different story and we would be approaching this game probably also being like, Do you know what? Yeah, they probably would. But equally, we're in a position where actually we're above you. We're in a position where we just don't lose to you rather than the other way around. I think it's more of a must win for them than it is for us. Even though I've just said for us, we could do with the win. Obviously, it strengthens our position. But they're actually the ones that are under the pressure, really, when you think about it. We're a point from point from safety, as far as I'm aware. And that's with a game in hand. So, what? Worst case, it's a draw. Even worst case, it's a loss. We could still win the next game and be at the bottom three. It's the pressure's on them. And if the pressure's on you, at home and you're against the Luton side who, no offence, we don't roll over like a Chef United and go two goals down and start playing like shit. We actually tend to have some fight about us. So even if we did go 2-0 down, good luck playing against the Luton side that are 2-0 down because we're just going to come at you very, very hard, basically. And lo and behold, you probably then won't get anything out of it. So I think there's a lot of people who are expecting an easy game. Luton, I've seen Luton fans say the same as well. And I think, again, a hint of realism. Like, we're not going there to for a stroll in the park. Like, Palace at home, that was a piece of piss in comparison. But then we're going away to a side who need the win just as much as us, if not more than us. Have a bit of respect. Equally, they should have a bit of respect for what we're then going to bring to Turf more, And we are going to do what we do best, and that is frustrate, make help life hell of a lot difficult all you got to do is look at Sheffield United yes we got a bit of luck but we took it to him and who who took the three points home thank you very much I think this game mentally is is a massive one um as you mentioned there losing for both teams is not great but I think losing for them he's worse than us you mentioned before Jamie um it could go we, we could go seven points clear with a win which psychologically is a massive boost. And that's not even to, to escape in the relegation places. That's to, to us in 18th. Uh, no, no, sorry. We would overtake Everton. At Everton, that point. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that, that gap opens up massively. And, you know, you start panicking then. Burnley then have one less game against a, a relegation rival. Um, and when you consider how, how we've taken games to 
you know, the top teams this season, you, you sort of have more hope that Luton can go to places and pick up points at this current stage than Burnley. So I think mentally this is is, is a massive game. Um, I think the onus is on them more than it is us. But of course, it's a massive game for both teams. Uh, potential injury, which, which you know would be a massive boost to Luton. Lyle Foster, I think he got taken off against Spurs with sort of a precaution. Um, I haven't seen anything as to suggest he'll miss the game, but one to keep an eye on is, you know, one of the brightest sparks for Burnley this season. Um, you know, had a really good game at Kenilworth Road and, and it's caused Premier League defences all sorts of problems this season. Um, Charlie Taylor's another potential doubt who I'm pretty sure again came off against Spurs. Um, so potential somewhat depleted squad only adds to, to sort of pressure on their end. It's going to be a good game, I, I can tell you that. But let's talk a little bit more about Luton, how we approach this. Um, uh, we haven't done a, a lineup prediction for it for a while, but we'll go talk about the formation. Um, you know, you, you expect, Jamie, it's that 3-4-3. Three, three. Um, I don't think that that two up front showed any signs of real life, um, any signs of progressing with that into the Premier League. So you'd expect it's that 3-4-3 three, three that we continue to operate under. Yeah, I'd be shocked if it, if it wasn't, um, unless we do like we did against Spurs and match up a 4-2-3-1. But no, I'll, I'll be shocked if it's if it's not the 3-4-3. Three, three. Um, Personnel-wise, I think it's it can't be anything other than Doughty right and Giles left. Um, you could maybe do Bell left wing back, Doughty on the right, Put Osho left and Anderson in the, in the middle potentially. If you want to go a bit more, more structured and and don't want to risk Giles against a potential fluid wide wide man, whoever they play, they've got countless. Um, so there's a few options there. Obviously, Kabore is out, so it can't be Kabore. Um, and I, I doubt we play Chio there as well on the right. So it's got to be Dalton on the right. Um, midfield picks itself. Bartley Lukonga, I think Eli keeps his place, and then it's who do you play around him? I think Brown seemed like he was injured or or certainly not available for the cup game or or was it not selected who knows um so so it, it, there could be someone else that comes in there um so is it townsend plus chio or townsend plus um chong um yeah so there's a few selection dilemmas but i think all in all it probably does pick itself um you I think Bartley and Congo, no one certainly can claim that they deserve to start ahead of them too. Um, and I think Osho and Mengi both keep their places and probably so does Bell. Um, would love to see Anderson get a go. I think he, he started to show signs of his ability before he got injured, unfortunately. Um, but I, I think he's the centre-half that can really step up in Lockyer's absence. And I, I really, really hope that he gets given a a run sooner rather than later, certainly in the Bolton replay, maybe even this this, this Burnley game. Um, just he's that that player who I really think when backs up against the wall, bodies on the line, um, and especially if you look at things against potentially a Lyle Foster, I really think he's he's a player the second half of the season that I look to as someone that could really give us some real promise defensively. Um, so yeah, it's it's going to be an inter a very interesting selection, especially given the game the following Tuesday now as well, that extra game to think about. Um, but you have to go with your strongest team. You you cannot do anything other than the strongest players from from what is available. Um, so yeah, interesting man. And for the second time today, Kieran, score prediction. How are we gonna get on at Burnley? Oh. Dear, oh dear, man. Bloody Lancashire. Lancashire and score predictions. I'm sticking the exact bloody same. Burnley 1, Luton Town 2. God, what a boring answer that was from me. But uh, just, I think the occasion's going to get to them a bit. And for once, the occasion's going to go our way. And we're going to understand the gravity of what is in front of us. And how just getting a win now is so beneficial to the rest of the season. 2-1. Two 2-1 one. Two one win. 
Jamie, what about you? I'm going to go 1 1 and not lose on penalties. <laughs> I, I mean, but there's actually a thing about this seriously, like, like would would people take if it was a one-one? Do you stick or twist a penalty shootout for all three points? <laughs> yeah, based on our current track record, yeah. I think it's the notion of taking one point to three than than one one point to zero. I know that relegation when it spins round, but. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I would. I think I would. Based on our, our penalty shootout um, heroics at Wembley, um, but especially I, now we've recalled Joe Taylor as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go with a two-one victory as well, Kieran. Um, again, I think as you mentioned, I think the occasion is massive here. The the psychological factor within it all as well will play a massive part, and I think. I hope that that will come on the right side of that. So, yes, I'm going to go for a 2-1 victory to Luton. Well, that is it for today. A big thank you to the pair of you for joining. A big thank you to everyone watching and listening. We are on socials, of course. Absolutely everything is Oak Road Hatter, bar Instagram. And I got it wrong last last (laughs) week, whatever it was. But it's Oak Road Hatter. Pod, I think I said .com. So, uh, <laughs> thank God I got that one right because Jamie took the piss the, the whole week. Uh, but until next week, it is goodbye for us. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.